Well, thank you so much. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me, Job chapter 42. We're going to look at 16 verses this morning. We're, we're going to be in a concise set of Scripture, which is different uh, through the narrative of Job and looking at Job's life. If you've been with us, you know that we've been in this series called Breaking Point, and we've been looking at this issue of crisis. We've been looking at this issue of crisis and difficulty in life. The first week, we looked at when the unexpected happens, when the crisis hits. You know, it, it, and I've learned this. You probably have learned this, that you know what? When crisis hit. It doesn't let you know in advance it's coming, right? The day starts off just like any other day, and whether you get the phone call, whether you get the notice, whether whatever, that crisis kind of comes unexpected. And so how do you handle that? And so we looked at Job's life, and it's real important for us just to remember one last time that the Scripture said about Job that he was in right relationship with God. He wasn't sinless, and he wasn't perfect, but he was in right relationship with God. Second thing, he says he was in right relationship with his fellow man, and he was a devoted follower of Christ. He was a devoted worshiper. In other words, church and serving and all that other stuff had great priority in his life. And so he, he goes through great difficulty. He loses his children. He loses his business. He, he loses his influence in the community. He loses his health and all of that stuff. And then came discouragement. And so last week we looked at discouragement. And so if you've ever been through crisis and you've ever th- been through pain, you know that discouragement is a part of that. When the pain is prolonged, when there is no end in sight, when there seems to be no earthly way to fix this or solve this, then discouragement sets in. And last week we looked at this issue of discouragement. And and so let me just, let me just tell you, I'm a burden preacher. And what I mean by that is, is God just gives me a burden in my soul that, that I just cannot wait to just like get out. And last night after the service, he just, he really defined that burden for me, which is much different than the burden that I preached last night. And so this is totally different in some areas of what I preached last night to a different group of people, even though they're a part of the church. And here's the burden that God, I truly believe out of his word that he wants us to get and he wants us to understand is this, that your view of God, your perspective of God is more important than the season that you're in in life. Your view of God your perspective of God. See, we, all make, we make it about the circumstances. We make it about the situation, whether they're good, celebrations of life, or whether they're difficult. But I'm here to tell you, listen, we're going to watch this just flesh out in Job's life. But I'm telling you, your perspective of God is more important than the circumstance that you're in, than the hurt, the pain, the celebration, what's going on around you, your perspective of God determines everything for your life. And when I started this series on suffering, uh, Kelly Hall, who is an, uh, uh, a ladies' Bible study teacher in our church, and she's deeply loved, and she's an author. She's written some books, or written one book. She goes around all over the U.S. speaking and, and at ladies' conferences. And so she sent me this email about suffering. And so I'm just going to quote her. Here's, what, here's a portion of what she wrote to me. She said, the answer to suffering is not an answer at all. For no simple answer can tell you what you need to know. The hope is in Jesus. It's Jesus himself. It's not a bunch of words. It is the word. It is not tightly woven philosophical argument. It is a person, the person. The answer to suffering cannot just be an abstract idea because suffering isn't an abstract issue. Suffering is very personal. And it requires a personal response. The answer must be someone, not just something. Because the, in, the issue involves someone, God. Where are you? 
That was Job's issue. That was Job's crisis of belief in his hurt, in his pain, in his situation was that one thing, God, where are you? Listen, when God shows himself, and today we're going to look at when God shows himself in a situation, when God shows himself in a difficult hurt and pain and circumstances of life, you know when God shows himself because you view God totally different. In other words, that it totally and completely transforms you and it changes your life. There's a deepening. We can see three principles out of Job 42 that we know that Job had this personal encounter with God. See, a lot of times it's in the moment of our pain, it's in our crisis that we really see God for who he is. When everything else is like stripped away from us and we get it and we understand that our focus of God, our perspective of God, is way more important than what we go through in life. Three things that happened when Job had this encounter with God. The first thing is this. He was never the same. You want to know how you, you have had a personal relationship with God? You want to know how that you've really experienced him? When your life is just like never the same and your perspective changes, Job 42 verse 1. Here's what the scripture said. God had been asking him, and he rattled off a group of questions for, for Job. And then Job 41, 42 verse 1, Job comes back and he replies to the Lord. And we can see the change that's happened. I know that you can do anything. And no one can stop you. See, Job has changed. He has radically changed his view of God. He's radically changed his perspective of God. And he's basically saying, you know what, God? I know you're powerful. And I know you control everything. Even though I'm questioning my circumstances, I'm questioning what I'm going through, I acknowledge that you are in control of everything. See, Job's focus, watch this, Job's focus moved from his circumstances. You know this, right? If you've been with us, we've been in, in, in 30, uh, 37 chapters of Job. And where's his focus been? His focus has been on his circumstances. His focus has been on where is God? His focus has been, you know what? If I ever get the opportunity, I would march into the throne room of God and I would demand he answers. You know what Job had? Job had a very small view of God and he had a very big view of himself. You know how you know you have a big big view of yourself and a small view of God? When you believe you're over authority over God and God is not authority over you. When you believe you're over authority of his word and his word is not authority over you. And Job came to the point and says, I know you're like powerful and I know you're in control of everything and that nothing can change your your plans even though I don't get it and even though I don't understand it and sometimes even though I don't like it. And Job has moved from this small view of God to a big view of God. And, man, you know the problem? You know the danger of a small view of God? Is that when you go through crisis, when you go through difficulty, you cannot trust him. Because he's too small. In your view, in your perspective. See, you see your crisis bigger than God. You see your problems bigger than God. You see your circumstances. See, where the problem is when we have a small view of God, then we believe God can't solve my problems. We believe that God can't take and and help my family or, or, or bring relationships back and all of that. We just believe that God is like this weak God. And you see that Job changed, verse 3. We're just going to walk through this. You ask, who is this, this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? In other words, Job was speaking about things that he did not know. He was questioning God. Why? Because he had a small view of God. And he believed, really, I'm in authority over God. God needs to answer to me. God needs to tell me why I lost my kids. And God needs to tell me why I lost my business. And I will demand it of him. 
Listen, if that's your attitude, you will never find peace in this life. You will never find transformation in this life. And it happened in Job's life, and he goes on and he says, It is I, and I was talking about things. What a wonderful confession. I was talking about things that I did not know. Things that were way too, watch this. Here's a guy that lost everything. He says, things that are way too wonderful for me. And Job is saying that, I said some things that I didn't know about. Sometimes the things that we say reveals our ignorance, right? Charles Barkley, the NBA star, got mad at a guy that was doing an interview with him. And, uh, and he said, um, he said, well, you've misquoted me, and that's not a quote, and, and that's not true. And the interviewer kind of was shocked and looked at Charles Barkley and says, well, I'm so sorry. I'm quoting from your autobiography. It's your words. You said that about yourself. Sometimes the things that we say, right, they reveal our ignorance. And there's a lot of people that think they know a lot more about God than they really do. And they can go around and they can say, this is how God is and this is why he does this and this is and he'll give an account to me and he'll answer to me one day. Verse 4, he said, you said, listen, and I will speak, and I have some questions for you, and, and you must answer them. So God gave Job from chapter 38 to, to, uh, or, um, chapter 38 to chapter 41. He gave Job like this pop quiz. I mean, did you ever like pop quiz in class? I hated them. I mean, there was like no warning, right? And that's why they were a pop test or a pop quiz. And so God told Job, okay, if you think you know everything about me, if you, you have this view that you can understand everything, then, then get out a number two pencil and a piece of paper and put your name at the top, and I'm going to grade it when we're done. And there are 77 questions on that test. 77 questions God answered Job. And Job left every one of them blank. And God graded the test, and he said, you, you get a zero. Zip, nada. Nothing. You didn't get one right. Why is it so many times we have trouble figuring out our smartphone? (laughs) We have trouble making simple decisions in life about our family and about relationships. And then we think we can figure out God? And explain everything about him and just explain it away. And then he answers to us and we don't answer to him and we've created God in our image. And Job is saying, there were things that were just too wonderful for me. There were things that I did not understand. That you are powerful and you are in control. See, it's so interesting. The 77 questions that God asked Job were not to vindicate God, not even to try to help Job understand his suffering. They were intended to help Job understand that his ways are not Job's ways. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, 
God operates on a totally different level than us. God operates on a divine level, right? And we operate on a very limited earthly level. I mean, who wants to follow a small God anyway? Who wants to small, follow a God? That you can understand all of everything about him. There's mysteries to him. That's why Job said there is things that are just way too wonderful for me. I'd like to understand about how you could love someone like me. How the scripture says that while we were still sinners, you sent your son to die for us for the forgiveness of our sin. How you forgive us over and over and over. I don't get that. I don't understand that. See, Job learned in crisis, in situations, that it doesn't matter. We don't have to understand. And that we're not going to understand. But he learned that we have to trust, and it's important for us to understand that when we come to this point, that God's ways are higher than our ways. And we may not understand them, but he is right because he is sovereign and he is in control, verse 5. And then here's a deeper confession. He says, I've only heard about you before. That word heard means, means this in the Hebrew, that it's secondhand information. I've only, I only know some things about you. I don't really know you personally. I know some facts about you. I, I mean, I, I know what a preacher may have said about you. I know what my wife may have said or a husband or a mom or a dad. But I got to tell you, I, in other words, what Job is saying, you know the problem with me? I had an intellectual faith. I had this intellectual, mental faith. It was, it was religious. It was ritual. I may have known some facts about you. I may have heard about you. But there was something about in crisis, and there's something about crisis of everyone in, in, in every one of our lives when everything is stripped away, that we see things differently. And Job is like, I, I only heard about you. And he goes on, but now what? Now I personally know you. Now I've, I've like seen you with someone else's eyes, with the preacher's eyes or my wife's eyes or, or a friend's eyes or, or, or whoever. No. He says, you know what? I have seen you with my own eyes. There's a huge difference in an intellectual faith and a, and a personal faith. An intellectual faith is just to know some facts and some figures about God, but it really doesn't change your life. And the good news is this, is that God wants you to know him in a personal way. There's a personal relationship to where you just don't know a bunch of stuff about him, some facts and figures, and try to get enough of religion so that you just kind of feel better about yourself. And God wants to transform you. God wants to totally and radically change your life. I mean, let me ask you, have, have you just heard, do you know him? Or have you just heard about him? And it's crazy, you know, four or five years back, I decided I didn't have enough stress in my life, so I took up the game of golf. <laughs> I made a joke one Sunday about golfers, and, and I offended like all the golfers in the congregation about five years ago. I, I made a joke, and I just said, hey, you know why they put poker on TV? is because golf is just way too exciting for some people to watch. And so, uh, so yeah, and so the golfers didn't. So a group of golfers got together and said, hey, if you're going to make fun of us, you've got to hit some balls. And so I did that, and so I was, like, hooked. And so before that time, I never read a magazine on golf. I never cared about golf. I didn't watch golf on TV unless I wanted to sleep. I mean, I mean yeah, 
you know, that monotone voice, it could, like NASCAR, you know, the, the, you know, they could just like put you out. And so unless I want to sleep, I never watch golf. But all of a sudden, I developed a love and a passion for golf. And so I started reading magazines about golf. I started reading magazines about golf swing. I started watching it on TV, started watching the Golf Channel, all of that. Why? Because now I had a love, I had a passion for golf. And there's a lot of people that will tell me, you know what, I love God and I have a passion for God, but I never read anything about Him. Come on. See, this was Job. Job said, my relationship with you had been all secondhand information. And in my crisis, man, I've seen you with my own eyes. I've transferred my faith from someone else's faith to my faith. Who is Jesus to you? Do you know him in a personal way? Or is he just someone that lived 2,000 years ago and had some principles in Scripture that you like or Scripture and authority over you or you over authority in Scripture? Watch this. He goes deeper in verse 6. He says, therefore, I despise myself. You know what that word in the Hebrew despise mean? It means to literally melt away. Job's perspective of God began to change. Job became smaller and God became larger. When I've truly seen you, and I gotta tell you, so many times we're so flippant about God and about worship. But when people really come into worship, when people really come into the presence of God, they melt away and they see God differently. See someone that has a personal relationship with him and understand who's, who he is. They don't refer to him like the keeper of the scar, stars and, you know, the boss and uh, the man upstairs and, and my pilot, my co-pilot. They understand who he is. And Job, I mean, Job came into the presence of God and it humbled him to realize how small he is and how big God is. And he says, therefore, I... I despise myself, and he says, and I, I repent. We don't like to talk about repentance in American Christianity anymore. Oh, we like to talk about it when we meet Christ, and it talks about repenting of your sins. And let me tell you something. The most healing and helpful thing you and I can do is daily repentance. See, this word repentance means to turn from a planned course of action, to turn from a, uh, uh, an intended destination. And Job changed, and he changed his view of God. And so we have to ask and answer the question, so what did Job, what did he repent of? I mean, we, we talked about it. He was blameless. I mean, he was in right relationship with God. It doesn't mean he was without sin. It doesn't mean he was perfect. The first thing that Job uh, repented of is his sin of pride. He just had this sin of, of just pride, and, and, and he believed that God would answer to him and that that the scripture says that one day, Job, Job said that one day I'll, I'll march you into the, the throne room and God will answer me. God would tell me why he took my family. God will tell me why all this took place. God will tell me why he allowed this to happen in my life. He repented of the sin of pride. The second thing is this. He repented of his small view of God. Man, he learned and he understood that God is, is much bigger than him. Listen, the path of, of repentance led to Job's transformation. Job now not, no longer found his, his, his self-esteem, his self-worth 
in his possessions and in his things and his income. And he found his, his self-worth in God and God alone. The second thing that happened with Job when he encountered God is he found freedom from his hurts. He found freedom from his past. There's some real insights in here as why people don't find freedom from their hurts and freedom from their past, whether it's childhood, whether it's previous relationships, whether it's people that have abandoned them or abused them or hurt them. See, Scripture teaches us about how to find freedom in your past. Now, someone will, some people will tell you, well, you know how you find freedom is being willing to touch your pain. Scripture never says that. Scripture says it's deeper than that because what I found, when people have pain in their past, they touch that pain every day of their life. There's reminders every day of their life of the pain and the hurt, the abuse or the betrayal or all of it. They're, they're aware of They touch it every day of their life. See, what the Bible says is that if you want to find freedom, if you want to find transformation, it is not in just touching your pain, but is willing to walk through it with him to where you see that he is sovereign, you see that he is in control, and you see that he is there. Watch this. He, he, was, he was liberated from those who accused him. He was liberated from those who slandered him. Listen, let me tell you something. The truth always comes out. See, you do not have, when people slander you, when people betray you, when people malign you, when people talk about you, when people gossip about you, you don't have to defend yourself. Proverbs says, when people gossip and slander you and you try to defend yourself... It gets worse, not better. Watch it. Verse 7. After the Lord has finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz, uh, the, the Tenonite. Okay, so these are the three guys that judge Job and said, the reason you're going through this, there's sin in your life. It's your fault. Your kids deserved it. You deserved it. All of those things that weren't true. He said, I'm angry with you and your two friends. So God's talking to them. and says, guys, I'm angry with how you treated Job. Listen, let me tell you something. Just stop right here. This is free. God sees everything you go through. And God also sees everything someone does to you and says to you. A small view of God is he doesn't. A small view of God is he cannot help me in this crisis, in this pain. I'm angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me. That, that's such convicting words. When you claim to speak for God, you better make sure it's accurate because you will be held accountable for your words. When you speak into someone's life and you tell them, I know why God's doing this, and I know that God wants you to do this, and all of those other things, those are heavy, heavy words. And you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant has you know those three, three friends were difficult I don't know if you've run into three friends like that or one friend like that but you know the person that has all the answers person that can explain everything of God away and they know a chapter and they know the verse and they can tell you why God's doing this and can I tell you about those people that, that have all the answers and you probably already know this they're cold they're hurtful and they misrepresent God by some of the things that they say, and they do not bring you healing in your life. And God is saying, you guys are like giving me a bad name. So God deals with his three friends. So watch this. Verse 8 is so interesting. So take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. This is so critical for us to understand just real quickly. That is a, that is a ginormous offering. God does not take it lightly. 
when we misrepresent him. This is this is huge offering. And he's telling his three friends, I want you to go to the one that you slandered, the one that you misrepresented me, and I want you to ask for forgiveness. Can you imagine that? And look at this statement of just faith about, and, my, and you know what? And my servant Job, he'll pray for you. And I will accept his prayer on your behalf. And I will not treat you as you deserve, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. And so his friends go to Job to ask for forgiveness. And then verse 9 tells us that Job accepted and forgave them. And he prayed for them. One thing you can say about those three friends, they did what God asked them to do. Would you do that? If you've offended someone, if you've hurt someone, if you've maligned someone, if you've slandered someone, whether it's in your home, whether it's your child, whether it's a husband, whether it's a friend, whether it's a relationship, are you willing to humble yourself and go to them and say, please forgive me, I'm sorry, I was wrong? Listen, let me tell you something. Be very, very careful of the man or the woman that cannot do that. They will hurt you and they will destroy you. They have an intellectual faith, not a personal faith. They see themselves really as the authority and not God. Put yourself in Job's place. Those three friends made his life a wreck. And they destroyed his life. They destroyed his integrity in the community. They said that he has sinned when he did not sin. When Job needed them the most, they were, they were there, but they were very hurtful and they were very judgmental. What would you do if you were Job? What would you do? How would you respond if the person in your past that hurt you so deeply came to you? Would you forgive them? Would you release them? Man, when you look at Scripture, man, see, see, Scripture says, just so we're clear and just so we're straight, that when we don't forgive, we live a lifetime of bondage in a spiritual prison of unforgiveness that destroys every relationship in our life. See, intellectual belief is this thing, I, I need to forgive, I need to ask for forgiveness, I need to serve, I need to give, I need to worship, I need to treat others with respect. That's, that's intellectual faith. You know what personal faith is? I will forgive. I will ask for forgiveness. I will serve. I will give. I will treat others with respect. I mean, a person like Job probably said, Oh, guys, I forgive you. I, I probably said some things in my pain that I should not have said. It may have been difficult for just to be my friend during that period. Let me just tell you, there, there is... There is freedom in forgiveness. And just because you forgive doesn't mean there needs to be reconciliation. And there, I mean, and all that. But, but it starts with forgiveness. Listen, if, man, I'm telling you, 
If you have unforgiveness right now, you are living life in bondage. There are some of you that you are allowing a man or a woman in your past that you don't even talk to anymore, you don't even have a relationship with anymore, and you are allowing them to control you and abuse you every day of your life. Because this unwillingness to release them, this unwillingness to forgive them and just like move on. Listen, like Job, there is great freedom in forgiveness. And there are relationships probably in this room. They're in the bondage because of unwilling to forgive. Look at this. And so Job forgives his friends. So Job 42.10, when Job prayed for his friends, who, if you're having trouble, just, just real quick, if you're having trouble forgiving someone right now, you know where it would be a great place to start? Start praying for them. This is what Job, I mean, Job just started praying for them. I mean, right now, that individual, that person, begin to pray for them that God will bless them and God will heal them and God will take care of them. And so Job prays for them. And then watch this. Job is out of the bondage of unforgiveness. Job is out of the spiritual prison. And look what the scripture says. And so the Lord restored his fortunes. Some of you are missing blessings in your life because of unforgiveness. And bitterness and resentment has grown up in your life and it is defiling your family, it is defiling your marriage, it is defiling relationships around you. Listen, here's what I've learned. Those who've been set free, those who have been extended grace, those who, who have experienced grace from God and know what it means, they extend grace to others. Grace knows nothing about grudges. Grace knows nothing about a critical spirit. When people step out of line, you judge them and you malign them in your heart. Listen, a person that does that has never really effectively felt the grace and the love of God. they got an intellectual belief about God. They know a lot of facts about him. They know a lot of figures about him. But they do not know him personally to where they felt his grace. And then look what happens with the friends that abandoned Job. I mean, I mean, he sets free, him free in that area as well. Then all of his brothers and sisters, and that's so important, and former friends. You know, we're talking about the fair-weathered friends. We're talking about the friends that were with Job when, he was, when, when they could get something from him, whether it was a position that he had or whether it was his wealth or, or whether it was his influence in the community. You know the deal, right? You want to find out who your real friends are? Go through crisis in life. Go through difficulty in life. Go through pain in life. These are the friends that walked away from him. And now then, when he's being blessed again, here they come again. And they have a party in his house, and they console him and comforted him because of all the trials that the Lord had brought against him. And each of them brought a gift of money and a gold ring. I mean, they're the friends that are showing up and say, Hey, Job, we may not have texted you and called you and emailed you, but we prayed for you. Is that helpful? Yeah, it's helpful to pray for someone, but you also need them there, right Healing is found in a person, and healing is found in people, and healing is found in relationships when people minister to you. And rem- I mean, this is what Job said about his friends in Job 19, 13. My relatives stay far from me, and my friends have turned against me. I've lost every relationship. My family is gone. My close friends have forgotten me. How do you respond when you're abandoned? The last thing is this, when Job had a personal encounter... He found restoration in his future. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning. In fact, is, it's, the scripture says that he blessed him double. 
For now he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 team of oxen and 1,000 female donkeys. And he also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters. And Scripture says that he doubled his blessing, but that's the exact amount of kids that he had before the crisis. Seven sons and three daughters. I thought he doubled it. See, a small view of God tells you he didn't double it. He gave him what he had. Seven kids, seven sons, and three kids. Big view of this, of God, is this. He had 14 sons, and he had six daughters. Seven sons and three daughters in heaven, and seven sons and three daughters here. If you've lost a loved one, a family member in Christ, you have not lost them because you know where they are. See, a small view of God, a human view of God, a limited view of God is I've lost them and I don't know them anymore. In verse 15, it says that Job lived a successful life and he gave an inheritance to his daughters. You know, that was unheard of in Jewish culture. He always gave an inheritance to the sons. But when you've experienced grace, grace knows no bounds. And he blessed his family. Verse 16, Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died. He died an old man and lived a long life. What if there were really blessings and there are in crisis. What if it's in the midst of crisis that we see him for who he really is?